Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 227 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to Text Expander for sponsoring our show. Communicate smarter with Text Expander. Gather, perfect, and share your knowledge. Recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. Learn more at textexpander.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. In our last episode, we talked about the challenges we're facing these days in legal technology, uh, which actually got us a fair number of retweets and comments. And now at at the end of the year, it's time for our annual recap show. Uh, Longtime listeners will know that ESPN's Pardon the Interruption show, also known as PTI with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon, was one of the inspirations for the Kennedy Mile Report podcast. Our tradition is to use some of the elements of the PTI format for this recap episode. Tom likes to point out that I'm the older and grumpier one on the show, so I play the role of Tony, except that uh, Tom always seems to win everything, so maybe, in fact, he's Tony. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? And lately, I've been the older and grumpier one, so maybe you're right. But uh, yes, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll indeed be recapping the year in legal technology, but in a pardon the interruption format. For those of you familiar with PTI, you'll recognize some of your favorite segments. For those of you unfamiliar with PTI, we'll have three segments in this episode. Toss-up, in which we purposely take opposite sides of a legal tip topic. What's the word in which we fill in the blank on a statement about a legal tech topic with a well-chosen word? And our own new segment that we're trying to introduce called Buzzword Bingo, in which we categorize a legal tech buzzword as overused, underused, or rightly used. And then we end up with a fast response, big finish. To give you a sneak preview of the results, I do win every segment. So let's get started with the toss-up. Some listeners think that Dennis and I agree way too much and that we need to mix it up a little bit more. So in toss-up, we are required to take opposite sides on each topic, and uh, it is painful sometimes for us to do so. But each of us argues his position, and at the end, um, as you well know, I declare myself the winner. Dennis, are the rules clear? There's no agreeing here. You know, I actually disagree about the rules and the results. In fact, I disagree with the whole system. But here's our first toss-up. So... We're seeing that there was $1 billion of venture capital investment in legal tech. So do you think that will accelerate the changes that we see in in legal tech? 
And I say that it will not accelerate the changes. I think a billion is a good start. It is sure to have a positive impact. I think it's great. I think even as we're recording today, they announced another, another uh, I saw a, a law firms going in and, and, and doing some venture capital. But let's be realistic. Legal tech has a long way to go to catch up. It's not something that it can just catch up overnight. Uh, will these investments encourage other VC funders to step in? Maybe. That's what you need to do to accelerate the change. But for now, the investments, I think, are mostly going to accelerate changes for the lucky companies uh, that are receiving the dollars. I think uh, we've got a little bit ways to go for everybody else. You know, I think it will accelerate the change in time since I wrote the question ambiguously here. Here's here's why I'm going to say that. So I think that the money coming in is going to, to really push some things forward. I also think it's going to accelerate some shakeouts uh, as, as well. So I obviously not all the money going in will go to winners. And if you use the rule of thumb that less than 10% of venture capital investments go on to success, I, I think you'll see some shakeout. But I think that that money out there is a big incentive to people starting new things. And so I, I think we're going to see a lot more happening in the world of legal tech in the next two years than maybe we have in even the last five years. All right, next toss-up. Over this past year, the most interesting legal tech developments uh, are happening in the access to justice area. Dennis, what do you say? Well, I have to disagree with you on that one because I do think there are interesting things happening. The most interesting things are actually happening at the high end and at the low end. So I think the the most interesting things to me are happening at the high end um, because that's where you're seeing the the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, the data analytics, robotic process automation, uh, those sorts of things, and a lot of uh, uh, input from clients wanting to see innovative change. So I think that, that actually where the most interesting things are happening and in some ways the most mature uses of technology are happening are actually at the, at the very high end of the legal market. All right. Well, wrong again, because really the most excitement that I am seeing around new legal tech uh, is happening when law students, when others get together for hackathons, for these design thinking exercises. Um, I'm guessing that the vast majority of these hackathons focus on developing apps or services for the access to justice area. Um, they're the biggest underserved market. They're more likely to use self-service, low-cost legal services, um, and they all got phones. Uh, it's also interesting um, because the, uh, this whole hackathon access to justice uh, market doesn't rely on all of the late adopting lawyers that we were talking about in the last question to catch up. It's happening in spite of the legal profession's cautious approach to technology. Next up, more than ever, legal professionals should be taking a cautious wait-and-see approach to technology. All right. Now, you see, I just said the word cautious approach to technology here. So I'm going to say... Actually, yes, lawyers should be taking it. But frankly, you get a certain amount of leeway because of the way that you phrase these questions. But I think that the way you phrase this question makes it hard to answer yes, but I'm going to try anyway and say, yes, lawyers should take a cautious approach to technology, but not necessarily a wait and see approach. Lawyers should never dive headfirst into using a new technology. You've got to learn about it. You've got to find out how it's being used. You've got to test it yourself. But that doesn't mean you need to wait a year or two, as has been the tradition, to see but before everybody else is using it to declare that you're ready to try it. So caution, yes. 
Well, I'm going to take the opposite point of view, uh, although I always use the term prudent approach, which unfortunately we don't have a question in. What's the word for it? Because I like using th- that word. And uh, But I think it's actually time to, to really press forward. What I would say is you don't want to press forward in everything. I think you want to identify a few things and really put some effort into it, because I think this is a point where you can really step away from the crowd and give yourself some true competitive advantage, uh, really help your clients and get in on the ground floor of some technologies that are really, really cool. We really sort of uh, agreed on that one. Um, All right. This next one is not really a toss up, Dennis. What were you thinking when you wrote this one? Hottest new technology or tech trend of 2018? Well, because we needed to disagree, so we have to give different answers. So I, for me, I think that there's sort of two things that I see as related. And so I think the big thing is data analytics in, in, in all its different forms, from small to large. I just think is where lawyers need to be looking at what's going on. If there's one technology to look toward, that's the one. And then another way I look at it, uh, which is related, Related is that I think we're moving from a world of, of traditional documents to other forms of, of data that could be location and other things. And so I, I think that spending some time thinking about the end of the document era is also one of the hottest places to be. No, really, the hot place to be this year and probably every year is cybersecurity and privacy. There, there are really a lot of trends to talk about and so many to choose from. I would say maybe not the hottest technology or trend, but it's definitely one of the hottest topics. Uh, you know, our information is more at risk than ever before, not just from hackers, but every day it seems like the companies we choose to share our information with are, are doing something with it that we didn't expect or that we don't want them to do. You know, the California Consumer Privacy Act we're seeing the first really big major effort to protect consumer privacy and and I fully expect that more state states and you know even the federal government if they can get their act together will follow along in the coming months and years um, although I think data analytics is important I think a lot of these other tech trends very important but cybersecurity and privacy are the most personally important topics and the ones to which you should may pay the most attention for your own sake and The last one, and so we're going to disagree on this, but I actually think our audience and especially our new listeners will be the big winners on on this question, Tom. So what were your favorite episodes of the Kennedy Mile Report in 2018? Is this really a question that we disagree on? So, of course, I think our LinkedIn challenge episodes were the most fun and not just because I won. I think they were interesting exercises in how to expand your online networks. It was great hearing how everybody... It took a different approach to expanding the network. Some were successful, some were less successful, but uh, I think all in all, it was fun just going through that experience. In terms of content, you know I'm going to say that our episode on collaboration tools was one of my favorites anyway. It's such an important topic. Obviously it is. We wrote a book on it. There's so many tools lawyers are currently and can be using to work with each other. 
I I really enjoy talking about that topic, and that podcast was no exception. What about you? Well, I think the big one for me was the the interview we did with Whitney Johnson uh, about her new book and S curves and disrupting yourself and disruption in general, and just thinking about the the legal profession using some business analytical tools. Um, we got a lot of great feedback on that one, and the other one, Tom, I this may surprise you, is the one that we did on uh, people, processes, and technology, and where I probably threw out my wildest ideas, and I almost weakened you to convince you a little bit on some of them that I think people, that that sequence might not be right and that technology may be a little more important than the the process people think. All right, and that's it for Toss Up, and as I predicted early on, I clearly won. You, you're out of time to respond to that, Dennis, because we've got to move on to our second segment, What's the Word? In this segment, we've got a sentence about a legal topic with a blank in it. Each of us has to come up with the best word to fill in the blank. Dennis, what is the first sentence? The combination of an ethical duty of technology competence and the Florida Bar, and now the North Carolina Bar, moving to require technology CLE minimum technology CLE is having a or an blank impact on the legal profession. That wasn't a long sentence at all. So I'm going to say it's having an uncertain impact on the legal profession. I think it's a great start. I think the fact that both Florida and North Carolina are doing this is great. And as I will talk about more, technology training for lawyers is so long overdue and something that should be happening many, many years ago. Not sure that these two states are going to persuade others to require technology training, um, considering right now only 34 states have adopted the requirement of technology competence. And that, w- that means 16 states, including my own home state of Texas, have nothing. Um, considering that only 34 have adopted that duty of technology competence, I'm just not holding my breath. Dennis, what about you? I was going to use the word inchoate to get that sense of it was just starting, but it seems sort of too, too obscure a word. So I'm going to go with minimal, actually. Because I just don't see a lot that's happening yet. I have not seen there's been any lawyer discipline for not being technologically competent. And I suspect there might be one or two out there who would be in danger of that. Um, So I think it's had a minimal impact so far. I think the outside pressures on the profession are probably going to drive technology more than than these things. I think it is a good thing to provide education in in a structured way, obviously. But um, I just think it's had minimal impact impact so far. All right, here's our next sentence, Dennis. Uh, The intersection of cybersecurity and collaboration is the most blank in legal tech. I say unnerving because I think that when we started talking about this and we did a presentation on it, I was surprised, and I think you were, of how the audience was itself surprised at how complex cybersecurity becomes once you start to add multiple players, multiple platforms, and multiple ways of interacting. So I think that, um, you know, cybersecurity in itself is kind of a scary topic. But I think that 
it is unnerving. It kind of shakes you up to think of the layers of complexity you can add as you start to collaborate with with people on the same side as you are and on the opposite side of the equation. Well, and the word for me is dangerous. It's the most dangerous in legal tech. I think it's hard to find one word that adequately fits, but that one works for me. I think that when legal professionals collaborate, especially outside of their practice or their company, um, there is a tendency to either place the collaboration ahead of security or place such an emphasis on security that collaboration is either impossible or ineffective. Understanding not only personal security is really important, you've got to understand how your security affects everyone that you're collaborating with. And I think this is an area that's got a lot of potential for harm as that cybersecurity topic becomes more important and lawyers are increasingly using new technologies to collaborate. I, I think the, the possibility for danger there is, uh, is pretty strong. Next up, the one new technology, I guess it can be new or it could be a little bit older, all lawyers should be learning about is... Okay, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the word I chose is blockchain. I know... I just fainted. I know. I know. In a minute, I'm going to tell you that blockchain is an overused term, but I'm going to also admit that's an incredibly important technology that really have some real implications about how lawyers practice, from being able to execute and manage contracts, from managing financial transactions to, you know, finding ways to better authenticate our identities, you know, the death of passwords or, or better identity management. Although I don't completely understand it myself, I really think that this is going to impact the practice of law, not necessarily just for big firm lawyers, which means everybody really needs to understand it and understand what it can do or what it has the potential to do for their practice. And I'm going to the well again and using the single word data analytics, which I jammed together by saying really fast. <laughs> um, so I think it's the combination of all these different sources of data, Internet of Things, databases, um, all the things that you worry about uh, when you talk about privacy, for example, and then how we look at those and, and derive meaning from that. So uh, data analytics, one word is my answer there. All right, next sentence. Teaching legal tech to law students is blank. Dennis. I use the single hyphenated word, momentum gaining. Ah. So uh, I just uh, taught a class where we did a lot of legal technology at, uh, at Michigan State and it's law school. Uh, and I just see that there is a trend of that. You see more discussion of it. And the, uh, the thing I think is cool is that the professors, a lot of them adjuncts, are who teach these classes are using the internet and some of the tools out there in ways to pull together syllabuses or syllabi and figure out ways that they can kind of get standard approaches to teaching technology in, in the law school curriculum. Well, I, I gave my word. I revealed it uh, accidentally a few answers ago, and that word is overdue. Teaching legal tech to law students is overdue. This is a soapbox I have not gotten off of for more than 10 years. And, and what's interesting between then and now is that law students are more than ever 
digital natives. They are born into technology. They're comfortable with it. They don't have the same excuses that older generations have about not understanding or not having grown up with technology. But that doesn't mean that they know what technology is available for lawyers, how to use it the right way, how to be effective. You cannot expect technology competence if we're going to have an expectation that there's competence without teaching that competence to lawyers. I mean, see my comments about Florida and North Carolina. Um, this is something we that should have been happening a long, long time ago. And that's it for What's the Word, and I've racked up another Tom-mythic victory. Wait, wait. Wait, sorry, Dennis. We've got to go to a break before we move on to our next segment. Let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Text Expander is a productivity multiplier. Lawyers love Text Expander because with a short abbreviation or search while typing, Text Expander can produce cover emails for invoices or signing instructions, insert templates for consistent meeting notes, perform accurate date math on the fly, and instantly present things you retype all the time. Text Expander runs on Macs, iPhones, iPads, and Windows and works in any application. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm starting to have some doubts about the judging on the show. Do I get to throw a challenge flag? No, you do not. It is time for our new segment idea. We're calling it Buzzword Bingo. Want to talk a little bit more about it, Dennis? Tom, this is a new innovation for us that may disrupt the whole podcasting platform. We're going to mention a 2018 legal tech buzzword and categorize it as underused, overused, or just rightly used. Buzz away on the first topic. All right, Dennis, the first topic is artificial intelligence. So I think that it is actually a little bit underused um, these days because I think there's a lot more going on in the world. I just saw this tremendous list of uh, all these things happening in artificial intelligence. And if you just read sort of legal commentary and what's going on in the legal field, you would think like artificial is, intelligence is boring. People shouldn't pay attention to it. We're all worried about robot lawyers. But there is a whole lot happening here, and I think that people are a little bit wary of jumping in and talking about artificial intelligence, in, in part because there are a lot of subtleties to artificial intelligence. But I actually think in the last six months, it's become an underused term, but a more important uh, area to be looking at. Okay, I am going to give a preview and tell you that every single one of these terms that we're going to talk about, in my opinion, is horribly overused, but then I'm going to qualify myself. So artificial intelligence, overused, all we hear about it all the time. It's used so often. I think it's probably hard for people to understand that 
AI is now part of most of the technologies that people are already using. Your smartphone is one of the best examples of artificial intelligence. I will tell you, um, I have a, um, <laughs> I, I have a, a, a new feature that I just absolutely love about my Google phone is that there's a little swipe up on the screen and it will show you five apps. And, and what it can do is, is that it literally predicts based on the time of day or even the day of the week, what apps I might need to use at that time. And I use, I, I have a shopping list app and every Sunday at noon, when I go to the grocery store, that app is waiting for me. And that's artificial intelligence doing that. So even though it's overused, I think that might not be a bad thing. And if AI is so great, how come it autocorrects my words wrong all the time? Still, still making progress. I agree. Next up, everyone's favorite buzzword, blockchain. Totally, totally overused. All I hear is blockchain all the time. But you know what? Again, not a bad thing. Like I mentioned above, I think blockchain uh, may be the technology lawyers need to know the most about. So it may be that you can't hear about it often enough until you understand what it is and how it may be able to help you deliver legal services in the future. Dennis, here's the next topic. The next topic is, oh my gosh. Hey, wait, don't I get to say that I think it's underused? Oh, no, I'm actually, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I went I, straight on to the next topic. Do we want to take a break for that? Do we want to? No, I think we should just leave it, uh, leave it going because it shows your way of bending the rules so that you win everything. You're probably going to say, because I didn't answer that one, that, I, that you won this segment too. I think that's so a blockchain, fair point. I, you know, it's in that underused, maybe just rightly used. I think people are getting a better feel for it, sort of understanding the, uh, you know, where it makes sense and also becoming aware of, you know, what I've always said. But my time at MasterCard changed my perspective on this. So I'm aware of what's going on in identity, in payments, in uh chain of title, authentication, all those sorts of things. And I, and I think that if you're saying, if you just look purely in the legal silo and say, I don't get where blockchain is going to, to change things dramatically, I can see how you might do that. But I would also say people, people would say that about the internet itself in the early days. They definitely said it about uh, blogging and other things like that. So from time to time, there's some new technology. I think the potential blockchain is so great that I, I hate when people are just purely dismissive of it without uh, dealing with some of the things that I've seen that are already happening. A lot of it, to be fair, outside the U.S. and in some specialized areas. All right. Our next topic, our next term is the dreaded innovation. Dennis? I love innovation. I do struggle with the way that it, it can be used. Um, and again, it's another thing where people say innovation and they dismiss it with the back of the hand. So I probably think innovation is probably in the sort of just rightly used area these days. So some positives, some negatives in the discussion, but I think there's a realization that change has to happen. It needs to be practical. It needs to be customer focused. And I think that if you go to the traditional uh, sources on innovation outside the legal profession, um, I think I think you're going to see what the potential there is and and how probably in legal we're not quite to where it needs to be and we sort of have a limited uh, view of what, uh, what innovation might be. 
So I have a question. My question is, is there an option above overused? Because I've got to say, I am so tired of how often this term is used and what it's used for. Not because it's not important. I mean, there are a lot of good people who are proposing and developing new ways to deliver legal services, um, and that properly comes under the umbrella of innovation. Um, but I think that so many people are out there applying it where it doesn't really have any meaning, saying that you're in innovation. It doesn't make any sense to me saying that I'm in innovation. Uh, just tell me what you're working on, or you're just saying words as far as I'm concerned. I, I just think saying legal tech innovation is so broad that it's almost meaningless. We really need, I think, better definitions. I think it's not enough to just say innovation. I think it has to mean more than that because I think it's been used so much that I'm numb to it all. I just don't understand it because it's used so freely and for so many things that really aren't about innovation. I will agree with you on one thing, Tom, as I think that innovation is something that gets, uh, there's a label that comes on after something happens. So I think when people are actually doing innovation or things that are innovative, all they think they're doing is fixing a problem. It's not until later that you go like, oh, wow, that was like a this really creative approach. Um, so that's, I, so I, I, uh, I know we're not supposed to agree, but I kind of agree with you on that. So the, the last, the last word um, is disruption. So do we have a category for wrongly used? Um, I, I say that not because it's wrong to use the term disruption, but when you use it in combination with innovation or when we're I see it in a list here we, we just talked about innovation we're now talking about disruption it's confusing to me innovation is essentially finding new ways to deliver legal technology I'm boiling it down I know I'm, I'm making it probably more simple than it needs to be but disruption is essentially a subset of that creating something new to get rid of something old so an innovation may be disrupting but a disruption is always going to be an innovation right I I'm just thinking about all these words is exhausting, so please let's end this thing and finish. Tell us where you think it's overused, underused, or rightly used. I think it's uh, underused these days, but I think that's a good thing because people are now going back to because they got so burned out on it that uh, and realized that they were using in ways that didn't make any sense. Um, and so I pe think people are actually going back to figure out what it it means. And I think our podcast with Whitney Johnson was great because she really did a great job of explaining it, uh, what disruption is in the, in the classic theory. And so I think there is this element of disruption that it happens at the, the very low end where people aren't seen as competitors and the existing players don't uh, don't care about the, the slices people are taking out of uh, what could be their work. And so I think if people go back to that, and like I said, I'll, I'll mention the podcast with Whitney Johnson again. I think it's a little bit underused, but I think it's going to, it's starting to be more correctly used when when it's used. All right. Well, after a hard-fought segment, I won again. And, and that's no buzzword, folks. And I think now it's time to move on to our big finish. Dennis, we're going to answer six questions in 60 seconds. Here's number one for you, Dennis. What's the best legal tech book? Always a winner every year. Uh, the Lawyer's Guide to uh, Collaboration Tools and Technologies. Second edition uh, definitely should be on your gift list for lawyers this year. The best choice for a lawyer today, Tom, a blog, a podcast, a videocast, or social media, or just leaving social media? 
if you're talking about how lawyers connect with people out there, it's got to be a blog or a podcast. Both can reach large audiences. You got to go with the one that's most accessible to you, whether talking or writing is more important to you. That's going to drive your decision. Dennis, what's the best legal tech resource of the year? Of course, it's the ABA's Legal Technology Resource Center. I also like the the lawyer's site. And I, Tom, I, this might be a topic for a podcast in the future. I think about going back in time to when we used to roll our own resources and pull together RSS feeds from, from different places. That might be a way to go as well. Tom, what's your best new app for the year? Well, Dennis, there are no new apps. They just nobody's doing new apps, or at least not any new apps that are great, and certainly no new apps that are helpful to lawyers. So, in line with what you just said about our RSS readers, I'm going to say Feedly. Feedly is an old app that's getting a brand new overhaul. I've been in a beta program with them for a couple of months. I think it's one of the best RSS news readers I've ever used. It's available on all platforms. Definitely worth a try. Dennis, what's the tech topic that lawyers most need to pay attention to? I think it is the Internet of Things. And uh, our podcast that we did this, this year on Internet of Things will tell people why I think that. And finally, Tom, what's your best technology decision of uh, 2018? All right. I think I thought about this a little bit. I think it's the fact that I tried a bunch of new tablets this year. I looked at the Microsoft Surface Go. I looked at Google's new Pixel Slate um, and I looked at the new iPad Pro. And I've got to say, I'm extremely happy that I stuck with the iPad. I think it's still the tablet to beat. So that was 2018, and we're ready to move on to 2019 with a bunch of great new topics and ideas to share with you. Uh, happy New Year to all. Uh, but Although I think we're going to get one more show in before the end of the year, possibly, Tom. Uh, we might. And if we don't, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. And that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous shows. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn or leave us a voicemail. We love to get your questions for our B segments. That number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.